Do you all know that Christmas solo, Mary, did you know? Goes like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? It says, do you know that your baby boy would has come to make us new? It says, the child that you delivered would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? It's a beautiful song, to be sure, but I'd like to submit to you that Mary did, in fact, know. <laughs> Maybe she didn't know the walking on the water part, but saving the sons and daughters, the deliverance part, the part about giving sight to the blind man, helping the deaf hear and raising the dead. Yeah, I think she knew. This song is so lovely, but I have a hard time with it theologically. Mary didn't know all of the details about her child. Of course, she had no way of knowing what was coming in the future. The text tells us later that she was confused about Jesus's ministry sometimes and even got off track sometimes as well. But Mary did know from the time of Jesus's conception that something wild and beautiful or holy was afoot. And how do I know that Mary knew how do I know that Mary had some inkling about what could happen from her child's birth? I know that Mary knew from her song that we read together in Luke 1 this morning. Our text tells us that Mary had an inkling. But let's start at the very beginning of the story. Mary had had a weird morning. The girl was hanging out, maybe doing some chores, minding her own business, when a terrifying being, maybe something shiny, maybe a, a warrior in armor, maybe something so otherworldly that we have no words for it, this wild being shows up in Mary's space and freaks her out. The angel tells her not to be afraid after all. And then the angel tells her that she will have a baby and that this baby will be someone important for her people. And the angel, the text says his name is Gabriel, tells Mary that her baby will be called Son of the Most High and that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, one of Mary's family ancestors. And her baby would reign over her people forever and that her baby's kingdom would be of no end. The angel also tells her that her relative Elizabeth would also be having a child in her old age. And these are wild things for her to hear. I imagine Mary maybe took a seat halfway through this conversation and had to take some deep breaths. <laughs> maybe she also asked a few more questions of the angel than we have in our text too. Like, am I hallucinating? Am I dead? Will I be stoned to death by my community if I have a child without a husband? Who knows? The text often only tells us so much, but however the conversation went, by verse 38, Mary says yes and consents to this happening. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now there's some coded language here in Gabriel's words, and we might wanna learn a bit about them. Gabriel tells Mary that her baby will be called Jesus. Jesus, or Joshua, means to save or to rescue. 
Gabriel tells her that her son will take the throne of her ancestor David. And David had been a, considered a savior of his people in a way. He brought about an era for his people that was healthy, happy, and safe. David wasn't a perfect king. We have stories about that too. But he did do well for his people in a lot of ways. And it was said that the Messiah, the one to save Mary's people from the Romans, would come from David's lineage and care for his people, some like David did. And Mary had probably heard people hoping for this Messiah from the moment she could understand words. It was big in her culture. Women at the well might have wished aloud for a day when they didn't have to struggle so much to get their family the food and water that they needed. Perhaps Mary had heard in the town market about men who had gotten beaten by Roman soldiers who hoped for a day when they might be able to live in peace. Maybe she had seen the crosses that Roman soldiers put political prisoners on. Perhaps she had even heard someone from an extremist group, a zealot, plan to overthrow the Romans through violence. Everyone waited and hoped for things to be different. They didn't know exactly what this, had look, what this would look like, but they were awaiting a messiah. They were awaiting something to be different. And these words that the angel uses are coded to us, perhaps, but it would have felt more clear to Mary. They wouldn't have been coded to her. From Gabriel's words, she might have wondered about her child. Maybe she had a glimmer of hope, perhaps. Hope that things might change some for her people, that her baby might bring goodness to her people like King David did. And then Mary sings the song that we hear in verse 46, starting there. And I wish that we could hear what it sounded like, but we only have the words. But they do go like this. It says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, and he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary knew that something wild and wonderful was afoot. In her song, she remembers how God had worked in the past, and she puts her hope, her trust, in the fact that God could do it again and might even do wonderful and wild things through her. This young woman had a kind of faith and hope in God's goodness that perhaps it is easy to lose. Many children have this sort of beautiful faith and trust before experiencing a lot of pain. You can actually hear the children <laughs> shouting outside while I um, record the sermon they're playing. Many children have this sort of beautiful faith and joy and trust before experiencing a lot of pain. Sometimes pain clouds our hope and our experiences obscure what we once believed was possible. But Mary, somehow she hold on, held on to some hope. She may have been a child by our definition, but she knew terrible things too. Her people had been carted off in the exile. They had lost home and family. 
She had seen people starve and had perhaps learned to keep her eyes down if she ever walked by a Roman soldier. She knew what they did to her people. She was poor, single, and now had a pregnancy to deal with when girls were stoned for being unwed and pregnant in her community. And yet, Mary believed that something wild and wonderful was afoot. She sang about it in her song. She didn't know what things would look like exactly, but she had some ideas. She knew her child had a name that meant savior, rescuer. She knew that the circumstances around his conception and birth were suspect or miraculous. Mary had seen something or someone who looked like nothing she had ever before witnessed. And she heard his words that told her goodness might be coming. I imagine she heard about prophetic teachings, but she wasn't a scholar. Girls weren't allowed to be educated back then in these ways. She knew more about how to wash the dust off of clothes than about theology. Mary didn't know the ins and outs of the prophecies in her religious tradition, and yet she chose to believe that something was afoot. Mary chose to hold on to hope. And we might say that it was easier for Mary to find hope, easier than it might be for us. She was young, after all. She was idealistic. I am often told that the reason I am sometimes able to hold hope or the reason I work for change in our world is because I am young and not cynical yet. I still believe things can change. And there is something to be said about youth. In our youth, we might believe that all things are possible. Sometimes growing older means that hope and faith are harder to hold on to when we've seen so much. And sometimes when confronted with experiences, hope and faith, they sometimes slip through our fingers. But say what you want about Mary the child, about Mary the idealistic one. Say what you want about her not knowing. I think, I think Mary knew. I think that while Mary didn't know exactly what was coming and while she was certainly up against some very, very difficult things that could even threaten her life, I think Mary chose to hold hope for herself and for her people. And I think the reason Mary's hope was so audacious and so magnificent wasn't in the absence of pain or reality, but it was because of those things. Mary knew pain and what was happening to her people by the hands of the Romans. Mary knew fear and knew what could happen to her because of her pregnancy. Maybe she once had a naive faith, held hope because goodness and ease was all she knew. But then she saw things, experienced things. And then she learned that holding on to hope and faith, that goodness would come, that a Messiah would come. She learned that holding on to hope in the midst of that, that was more work. Hope isn't supposed to be something that's easy. It also isn't necessarily a feeling always. Sometimes, I think, maybe more often than not, hope, hope is a choice. I think of friends of mine who hold hope, even as all evidence points to difficulty in the future as they battle stage three cancer or as they make it through abuse to the difficult work of healing on the other side. It is hard to hold hope in those spaces, and there are times when they won't hold that hope. I also think of vision setters, speakers, preachers, protesters from the beginning of our world until now who demanded good things for human beings. They do that 
because they've chosen hope. The kids who speak poems through Youth Speak Seattle, who tells us truth through their art. I don't know if you've heard them before, but they are a gift. Kids in our own city speaking truth in poetry. They hold hope. I think too of black American Christians who hold a tenacious faith in Jesus, even when oppressors use the Bible to justify oppression. I think hope, it isn't easy. I think it takes practice. Maybe Mary started working on her hope muscles before she met the angel Gabriel. And maybe after a while, after some practice, her hope grew roots, which went down deep into the soil of her heart. Maybe her hope started blossoming into something stronger, not because she was naive or impressionable or young, but because she knew what it meant to have to choose hope when all else felt lost. She may not have always felt it. There were probably days when she didn't feel hopeful, where she felt hopelessness deep within her being. But then, then she chose hope again. So, how might we hold on to hope like Mary? How might we move from a hope that is dashed by pain and experiences to a hope that is rooted strongly within us and spurs us on towards good things no matter how strong the injustices are against so many that God loves? How? How might we have a hope that believes that God has before and will again bring down the rulers and lift up the humble? That God can and will fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty? How can we hold on to hope from our Isaiah text that Jesus, Mary's own child, quotes in Luke 4? How might we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God brings good news to the oppressed? That God is even now binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, and releasing the prisoners, sometimes even through us? How can we, like Mary, stay rooted in this hope as shadows are falling? How can we too believe that something wild and wonderful is afoot? And I took some time this week thinking through my life. I sat with moments of hope in my own story, moments when I felt that myself or someone else had made the choice to hope against all odds and sing songs like Mary's. Times when I have believed against evidence that God would come through for me or for others. And more than anything, as I kept thinking about hope, I kept thinking about all of you. I thought about how in the middle of this pandemic, Alan is putting up lights in the church building to shine for Pike Street and encourage our neighbors while the sun sets so early and as everyone is trapped in their homes. I keep seeing Anne Scranton and Sandy Nelson in my mind, putting together the first covenant cookbook for our community to eat together in a way, even as we are in different houses. I think of these things as holding hope. And that isn't all. I think of Natalie playing the tambourine and singing the words, prepare ye the way of the Lord with a genuine smile, though the vaccine may take a while to get to us. I thought of Diney Rubel writing notes to the youth of our church, even when she doesn't know when she may see them again. Hope, hope is Tom LaPaz's children's sermons full of joy, perhaps when he doesn't always feel like it. 
It is Cinda Madonna putting up Christmas decorations when she knows only her and Daryl will see them. And it is folks from our church coming masked every Saturday to serve breakfast to unhoused neighbors. Choosing Hope is Steve planning worship services and preaching good news through the liturgy, even when he has shingles. Choosing Hope is in the middle of a pandemic giving rent breaks to businesses who rent from us. Choosing Hope is resting in the middle of this pandemic when we need it. Choosing Hope is signing on with a food bank in the coming months so that people in our area can eat even if things open up so that we could have rented out the space. These things kept coming to my mind this week. You all are full of hope. How can you have a strongly rooted hope like Mary? I think you're already doing it. These actions I kept thinking of may seem like small things in the face of what Mary went through and chose hope in spite of. They may seem like small things to choose or do or believe in the face of all that is happening in our world right now, even. But this is where hope begins. Hope begins in the small things, in everyday things. It starts in doing laundry, even though you only wear sweats these days. It starts with getting out of bed to walk the dog when you are feeling sad or apathetic enough to crawl under those covers all day. Hope is believing that this pandemic will end, that racism will end, that someday black and brown people won't have to fear being stopped by police, that someday being LGBTQ won't be something that makes you worry if your family will accept you or not, that someday women won't be followed home when it is dark. Choosing hope is believing these things and acting towards their fruition, even when there doesn't seem to be movement towards that goodness. Hope is sitting in the belief that though shadows are falling, Christ is our light. So as we stay home this week, as we go to our jobs, as we rest, as we go to school, as we do these things in such different ways during this pandemic this week, may we find hope in ordinary places. May that hope grow some roots that sink deep into our hearts. And if you start to sing like Mary, share with your community your song. Who knows, maybe your words will bring someone else some hope amidst all this wildness. Sing your songs, Hopeful Marys of First Covenant Church. Maybe your song could help people see that God still works and that with God, something is always afoot. Amen.